second. And I am going to pray, because praying is good, as you will discover in the next hour. <laughs> Jesus, thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that prayer is a thing that is on your heart, that you taught your disciples how to pray, that you love it when we have conversations with you. You love spending time with us. And I pray that you would help us to pray this evening, help us to understand more about what prayer is. I pray that you would speak to us through your word. Come and be with us, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Cool. Guys, read. Go for it. That's you. During the same time, King Herod began to recruit some who belonged to the church. He ordered James, the brother of John, to be killed by the sword. Herod saw that the Jewish people looked like this, so he decided to arrest Peter too. This happened during the time of all the Sleeping either side of him. 
Like they, they want to make absolutely sure that he does not go anywhere, right? Uh, so this all seems pretty final. Herod the king has got it in for Peter. He's in this high security prison. The only place that he's going to go is the execution block. But in verse 5, there is this really key thing. It says the church are praying for Peter. And what happens as a result? God sends an angel to kick Peter awake because he's apparently so calm about his own impending demise that he's just fast asleep. Um, there's a whole other preach in there about how we don't need to be afraid of death and stuff, but that's not today. That's another one. Um, so this angel comes along and kicks Peter awake. His two sets of chains just fall right off. Um, he gets up and he gets dressed without waking these guards who are sleeping either side of him. And who also didn't wake up when this light appeared in the cell along with their angel and their angel's chatting to Peter and these guards are not waking up. So there's something going on there. Um, and then Peter walks straight past the sentries who are at his door, right past all the other guards in the prison, right out the gate, which opens for him by itself, and he's free. Bruh. This... Huh? Bruh. Bruh. Exactly. <laughs> this does not happen every day, right? I think we have this problem with the Bible where often we will read things in it and just kind of go, oh yeah, yeah, sure. Like, almost <coughs> be numb to it. Like, oh yeah, God split the sea. Like, God, God split the sea. Or we'll be like, oh yeah, God regrew that guy's arm. Like, that just happens, it's a Tuesday. Or we'll be like, yeah, God maybe turned Peter invisible and just walked him right out of jail. Like, we can just be so, like, we can miss the wonder of these things so easily. Um, but we just need to not do that. Like, this is, this is amazing. This is exciting. This is ridiculous, what God has done here. It's mental. Um, and here's the thing. This is the same unchanging God that we pray to. The God who did this is the God that we talk to. We pray to the same God who we see in the Bible answering prayers in amazing and exciting and ridiculous ways. So my question to you then is why should we not expect to see some amazing, ridiculous things ourselves? If, if this is who God is, if this is how he does things, why should we not expect to see him do those things in our lives when we ask him? Because it's what he does in the Bible. When people pray, God responds. For whatever reason, the way that God has chosen to act on earth is through the prayers of his people. Like He chooses to partner with us. He chooses to work with us and involve us in everything that he's doing. And that's amazing. That means that your prayers are so significant. When you pray, it makes a difference. Bless you. No? Be blessed anyway. When you pray, it makes a difference. God literally changes his mind when people pray. I don't know if you knew this, but you see it in the Bible. There are times when people ask, and then God does something that he was not going to do before, or he doesn't <coughs> do something that he was previously going to do. And it's never that he was wrong, or that he wasn't sure, or that somebody suggested something he hadn't thought of, and he goes, oh, actually, that's a better idea, we'll go with that. Like, he's God. Obviously, it's none of those things. I think it's just that he, this relationship that we have with him goes both ways. Like, he is moved by us. His heart is moved by us. When we ask him for things, he responds to that. We affect his heart. So some of these instances when you see this, it's, it's like the options almost are justice or judgment and mercy. So like in response to human sin, God could be just and he could judge it, which would be fair, which would be right, which would be good. Or he could choose mercy and he could pardon their sins, which is also right and good, like he's God. He could do either of those things and they would both be right. It's not that God would be doing something wrong if he did one or the other. But sometimes you'll see he has chosen justice and his people ask him and instead he chooses mercy. 
like his heart is moved because he's people of us. He responds to us. So I'll give you some examples. In the Bible, we see Moses prayed and God spared an entire nation. He was going to wipe them out and Moses says, please don't, and he doesn't. Uh, Joshua prays and God holds back the sun in the sky. Uh, Elijah prays. There's this great bit in James where it says, Elijah was a man just like us, but he prayed and God stopped the rain for seven years. And then Elijah prayed again and God sent the rain at his request. And he was a man just like us. Well, not like a man just like us, a human just like us. Um, it, you get this in the New Testament as well. So uh, Mary one time, Jesus' mother, she asks Jesus for something and Jesus moves up his timeline for starting to do miracles. And that's when he turns water into wine. And it's a really interesting conversation. So Mary comes up to Jesus at this wedding and is like, ah, son, I've got a problem. They've run out of wine. And Jesus is like, okay, what do you want me to do about it? Like, he says, my time has not yet come. Like, it's not time yet for me to start doing miracles and start moving in this power that I have. Like, that's, that's, that's not supposed to happen yet. Um, and Mary just like, she turns around to some servants and she goes, okay, do whatever Jesus tells you. Like, and then she just kind of stands there and waits for him. And in response, Jesus changes his timeline and he, he does a miracle, even though previously it was not going to happen. Like, he does it because she's asking <coughs> people. And that's just, she's just having a conversation with him. Yeah, prayer is just conversation with God. It's the same thing. When we ask, he answers. And so you see the church praying in Acts 12 and God is moved to act. He responds. And Peter is freed from prison. So God responds when we pray. And it is not because we're amazing. And it's not because we have convinced him or because we have spent long enough doing it that he's like, oh, for goodness sake, if it will shut you up, then fine, you can have it. Uh, it's because he's really, really good and he wants to act, he wants to do things in this world. Uh, and he's just waiting for his people who he loves to ask him for all this stuff. So um, the last thing that I want to draw your attention to before we start praying, because shockingly, we're going to pray for a bit, um, is that it is the church who are praying for Peter in this passage. So it's not a few individuals in the privacy of their own homes. Um, it's this single united entity. It's, like a, it's a single people. It's a single community praying. Um, now, God, obviously, God hears and he answers the prayers that we pray on our own. So as even Naomi and Artie were telling us earlier, they prayed and they weren't like in church with church praying with people. They're just on their own and praying for stuff. And God has heard and he has answered. And you see that all through the Bible too. You see Jesus often going off on his own to pray. Uh, so there's nothing, there's nothing uh, bad or somehow less about praying on your own. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there is something different and something really good about us praying together. Uh, so in this passage in Acts, the, it's like the body of Christ has come together, right? The family of God. Uh, they're one in heart and one in mind. And together they are asking God to move. And I just, I think God really loves that. Um, I think he, he, wants us, he wants us to be one with him, but he also wants us to be one with each other. So Jesus, before he dies, he's praying, and the things that he's praying for is that we would be one with him, and we'd be with him where he is, but he's also praying that we would be one with each other. Like, that's what was occupying Jesus' mind before he died. That's the thing that, that he cares about. Um, yeah, so God wants us to be, to be one with one another. And I think that when we pray as a community, we see some of that oneness. I think it, when we pray together, it almost it knits us together. It's like you're, you're hearing what's on somebody else's heart, right? You're hearing their hopes and their fears and their pain and their faith and the, the way that they see God, the way that they understand him. 
And you're also sharing what is on your own heart. You're sharing your own stuff. And I think that connects you to people in a really unique way. Like it just it makes us one. So even on that level, um, praying as community, praying as one, does something. And I think God hears that like united cry. It's like he hears the single voice of his children. And as I said, I think he just loves that and he loves to respond to that. Um, personally, practically, I find it really, really helpful to pray with other people. So perhaps if I don't know what to pray, um, so yesterday I was at a prayer group, this justice group that is starting at church, um, and it is we were praying for the issue of sex trafficking in the Dominican Republic. And that is such a massive thing, and it's so hard to know, actually, what do I pray for this? How do I pray for this? So I was just sat there, I'm like, I don't really know, I don't know what to pray, I don't know what to pray. But my other brothers and sisters who were with me, they were praying, and like, when I don't know what to pray, I can join in with their prayers, I can, I can say amen, I can agree with their prayers. Um, and that's just practically really helpful for me sometimes. Or if I'm feeling really tired or really overwhelmed, that's me on the regular, um, then <laughs> listening to my church family praying, it, it reminds me who God is, it reminds me that he's faithful and that he's good and that he's near. Um, and it's like I can draw strength from their prayers. Uh, like, they help me to lift my eyes back up to Jesus. Or if I'm, if I'm like really, really passionate about something, if I'm really desperate for God to move in a situation, then knowing that my family is praying alongside of me is so helpful. Um, it's like, I'm not carrying this thing on my own. You know, they are with me in it. And that, that almost like spurs my prayers on and it just, it helps me to pray more. Uh, it's so encouraging. So, praying together, good. I really love praying on my own. Um, I love spending time on my own generally and that kind of extends into my relationship with God. Like I could happily go several days without interacting with another human being. That's just who I am. Um, but even so, I really love praying with other people. It's not just like it's an extrovert thing. It's, it's, I think we need it. I need it. It's really, really good for me to pray with other people. Um, I think that's true for everybody who is a part of Jesus' church. Like praying together, praying as community does us good. So, um, that I'm going to stop talking, and we are going to spend some time praying as community. Um, and hopefully you're going to do that with an even greater, even greater expectation now that God is going to respond, that he's going to do the same amazing, crazy, ridiculous things that he was doing 2,000 years ago when he broke Peter out of jail. I'm going to stop there.